are a recently licensed professional. I got a note about that. <laughs> it's singular. <laughs> Welcome to the ninth episode of Cinema Decon, deconstructing and overthinking the movies of our younger years. My name is Steve, and on this podcast, we will revisit the movies that we keep in the back part of our minds as flawless masterpieces, untouchable by any criticism, and hopefully they stay that way. Join us as we rewatch a randomly selected movie from our list of 300 plus from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. With me on this journey is my co-host, a guy who only ever needs a seven iron to make par, Aaron. How are you tonight, Aaron? Well, it's been a long couple of weeks, Steve. I ended up catching a cold last weekend, not COVID, thankfully, but it definitely took a lot out of me. I'm just thankful to get back to uh, talking about movies. It is good to be back in here. Oh, yes. It's been it's been a, a little while since we did our last special episode. So, yeah, we're getting uh, right back into the thick of it. Yeah. Unintentional hiatus due to, you know, just life and work and everything else that pops up that Makes us go make actual money. Ah, uh, yes. Continue uh, disillusioning our viewers that we actually have lives. Viewers. View- yeah. Listeners. Viewers, listeners, listener. Viewers, listeners, you know. potato, tomato, you know. <laughs> so what we do here at Cinema Decon is a rewatch of an old movie with the hopes that they are still as good as we remember them. Then Steve and I meet up to talk about it, point out our high and low parts, and give it a rank and place on our mega list. Before we watch our target movie, we first record our memories and recollections of it. Then we proceed to go and watch said movie. So far, our memories have been both perfect and completely wrong at the same time. This episode, we'd like to take a moment, though, and thank everyone out there listening as this podcast continues to grow over the past few months. Platforms like Good Pods, Ghana, and Podomatic have branched us out worldwide, and we're even starting to get a handful of reviews up on Apple. Absolutely. We here at the Decon are continuously amazed and humbled that there are so many of you out there in TV land that enjoy listening to the two of us completely screw up movie reviews and recaps week in and week out. So thank you. Somehow, when we first got out on the Ghana, on India, for about 48 hours, we were the number one comedy show over there. No earthly idea why, but thank you, India. We love you. Absolutely. That is amazing. I remember when we were first talking about doing this, uh, I'm pretty sure we never imagined uh, anyone outside maybe our close inner circle ever listening to this. It's just good fun. And now we have so many strangers from around the world uh, listening. It's just, it's really weird. It's a weird feeling. It is. We have a presence on on Twitter and Instagram. uh, And now all of our episodes are available on YouTube for anyone that wants to watch there and subscribe. Uh, but we're getting feedback from each of those platforms and uh, it's great. You know, I, I like hearing the, uh, how, how wrong we were on the villains. Got, got some, some interesting <laughs> feedback, you know, it's, but uh, overall it's been, it's been good fun. Enough of the goody goody stuff. We will move on to this week's movie. This week's episode is brought to you by Salome Mental Health Clinic. Whether you're trying to get out of your own head in order to win the U.S. Open or just can't stop crying at the sight of another person in what was supposed to be a completely empty patient exit room, our recently licensed professional is here to help guide you to a better tomorrow. Salome Mental Health Clinic. 
Take a drop and visit us today. Apparently, no appointments necessary. Today's movie is the 1996 comedy Tin Cup, directed by Ron Shelton, written by Ron Shelton and John Norville, starring Kevin Costner, Rene Russo, Don Johnson, and Cheech Marin. So, Aaron, what are your recollections of Tin Cup? Um, so, uh, it's been a long time, and I've seen this movie maybe two or three times in my life. Um, I only really remember two main scenes from it. Uh, the one being the obvious uh, finale scene over it, because it was it takes place at Augusta, right? I think the finale is in Augusta because it's the it's the famous 18th hole at Augusta that he's basically trying to chip into. And you know, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, um, he loses uh, pretty much all his balls trying to get a hole in one on the last hole. The the other one that I remember is the bar bet. Someone bet him that he could chip the ball out the window or out the door and make the bird fly away. But that's really all I remember. So I've seen this movie several times over the years, but not for a long time. I would say it's been at least five to 10 years. Being a, a I wouldn't say I'm, I'm like you, I mean, I'm a golfer, but I'm not a golfer. We, we golf casually, casually when we have the, the time and mm-hmm. we end up drinking more than we hit good shots. So I mean, that is, that is my definition of golf. So <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I know the, I know the story better than I know the scenes So you got, you got Kevin Costner, who is a, a famous golfer, but at kind of a end of his career, you know, he's kind of a, mm-hmm. almost a has been, would you consider this like the bull Durham of the bull Durham of golf kind of kind of, kind of. Yeah. Cause you got Renee Russo kind of playing the Susan Sarandon character and then you've got Don Johnson, not necessarily being mm-hmm. Tim Robbins character, but Don Johnson as the, is, uh, is he a golfer too? Or is he just a hot shot? He's the, yeah, he's the antagonist, isn't he? Yeah. But yeah, but I, I couldn't remember if he was a golfer or not. We got Kevin Costner and his caddy, uh, Cheech Marin. Ah, uh, yes. So I, I remember scenes of them at like a driving range. Uh, but then, uh, and then obviously the, the big finale at, at Augusta, you know, where he, it, Rene Russo says something like, you know, no one's going to remember who wins this tournament today, but they're, but they're always going to remember, remember your 18. Your, your uh, 12 shots your on 18 12, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that I remember. But it was definitely enjoyable and, and obviously good enough to get on our list. But I just haven't haven't come across it in a long time. So it'd be interesting. You know, like quite a few of the other movies I've seen more recently. So this will be one that I truly, uh, I'm not going to be able to play by play in my head as I'm watching it. So I'm actually going to have to take notes this time. All right, we will go off and watch uh, Tin Cup. All right, here we go. What is the golf swing by Roy McAvoy? Well, I tend to think of the golf swing as a poem. Oh, he's doing that poetry thing again. Critical opening phrase of this poem will always be the grip, which the hands unite to form a single unit by the simple overlap of the little finger. Lowly and slowly, the club head is led back, pulled into position not by the hands, but by the body, which turns away from the target, shifting weight to the right side without shifting balance. Tempo is everything, perfection unattainable. As the body coils now to the top of the swing, there's a slight hesitation, a little nod to the gods. A, a nod to the gods? Yeah, to the gods, that he is fallible. That perfection is unattainable, and now the weight begins shifting back to the left, pulled by the powers inside the earth. It's alive, this swing, a living sculpture, and down through contact, always down, striking the ball crisply with character. Tuning fork goes off in your heart, your balls. Such a pure feeling as the well-struck golf shot. And then the follow-through to finish. 
Always online. The reverse C of the Golden Bear. The steelworker's power and brawn of Carl Sandberg's Arnold Palmer. Oh, he's doing that Arnold Palmer thing. And the unfinished symphony of Roy McAvoy. Um, what, what's unfinished? Well, I have a short follow-through. Has an unfinished look. Why? Well, some say it's because that's the easiest way to play through the winds of West Texas, and some say it's because I've never finished anything in my life. You can decide, but the point is, every finishing position is unique. Huh. That's what the golf swing's all about. <laughs> it's about gaining control of your life and letting go at the same time. Jeez Louise. <laughs> There's only one other acceptable theory about how to hit a golf ball. Oh, boy. Well, I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> well, what is it? What's the other theory? Grip it and rip it. <laughs> and we're back. We have watched Tin Cup. Revisited our most horrible golf memories about yeah. it. So I want to take a moment and talk about our pre-watch, which... We got some things right. We got some things wrong there as far as our memory. And one thing we touched on is that we called it the Bull Durham of golf. And as I, you know, did the little bit of research and made the script for today, the guy that made it, uh, Ron Shelton, he wrote and directed Bull Durham. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Not too shabby. So, we, we definitely kind of hit that one on the head. Succeeded in some points, failed in others. Bull Durham is to me a, a much better movie, but we'll 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 get to that as we talk about it. Uh, but it was the U.S. Open, not Augusta. We talked uh, about the yes. Masters quite a I bit. Do, I do remember having that wrong, and it was it was something about remembering the water at the 18th hole that made me think it was Augusta for some reason. And I may yeah, be completely yeah. wrong on that. Oh, we, yeah, we did. We we mentioned. <laughs> that, that hole specifically for some reason and i, and I, I think it's like 16 or 17 in augusta that's really the the memorable one or yeah. maybe 15 um but the masters is only mentioned once in this entire movie i caught i did catch that we, we said he was a golf has been he was actually a never was uh there were several golf bar bets kind of thing uh not just the bird one mm -hmm. the, the bird one was just the one i remember but i completely forgot how it happened uh, so when I, when it came up, I was like, ah, okay. Overall though, just initial thoughts. It, it was a, a very relatable casual golfer movie. I love the mm -hmm. golf parts of this. Uh, I, I have a lot to say about the romantic comedy portions of the movie. Just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but overall, this is kind of a happy Gilmore for grownups. I can I can see that you got an under underdog golfer that needs to step up and win by playing the game his way in order to defeat the dickhead pro and win the girl. You got a golf establishment who's not a fan of this newcomer, but they come around in the end. Mm -hmm. I'll even say Happy Gilmore is probably a better movie, um, but this movie's better at the golf parts. Yeah, Happy Gilmore uh, probably not the best movie as far as the, the true aspect of the sport goes, but I'm pretty sure that's not what they were aiming for anyway. No, it wasn't. It no. wasn't at all. Uh, but this one, I, I liked how they got you know, the PGA very, very much involved. Several, several stars, you know, we got a mm -hmm. young Phil Mickelson and you know, John Daly's in there and 
uh, yeah, just all kinds of stars, guys I'd never even heard of until I looked it up. So we open up West Texas driving range. Some nice, nice music kind of setting the stage and last chance to hit golf balls for 500 miles. Which is, yeah, which is an, it's an odd sign to be out there as if that would, that would be something you'd think you'd see in a place that was where golf was huge and yeah, exactly. Nowhere. So it's an odd sign to be, to throw out there, but it, it still worked. I mean, they get to the point where they're trying to sell the, the, the driving range to pay their bills, but is a driving range with that land and that, and that staff, how is that thing even still there? I mean, yeah, as far as we could tell, he literally had one client and she just showed up right at the beginning of the movie. Um, I'm, I was a fan of the, the golf ball picker made out of Herbie the love bug. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was great. very nice. <laughs> that was a nice little step. <laughs> you, but I mean, we don't see any other clients, do we? I mean, no, no one hitting, no one hitting balls. No one. No, it's just those guys hanging no. around making bets on, uh, which, which bug's going to get zapped first in the bug zapper, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. I'll give him that. Uh, hats off to Cheech Marin uh, and his character Romeo. He 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 drove a lot of that, which is pretty good. Yeah, I liked Cheech throughout the whole movie, and and I liked his relationship with with Kevin Costner. That mm-hmm. was a, a good good buddy cop, you know, golfer to caddy relationship there. Uh, but we get the the introduction of Kevin Costner's Carrie Roy McAvoy with his crew in this little side bet that they're doing that he he does a, a riddle about doctors and the doctor. Yeah. The, the, the father and the son that get into a car wreck and go to separate hospitals. The son gets wheeled in and the doctor looks, looks at him and says, I can't operate on this boy. He's my son kind of thing. Well, old riddle. Yeah. And everything. And obviously, and he bets them basically what 20 bucks each that they can't solve it. And that if he is able to bounce the golf ball, on uh, one of his clubs 500 times before they solve it, he gets the pot. Which is a great way to introduce that he is an excellent golfer because that's a golf trick that is extremely hard to do for obvious reasons. Yeah, I can't yeah. do it once. Or rather, I can hit I can hit the golf ball once. I, I won't hit it again. <laughs> it'll bounce off and it'll, it'll probably go better than if I was actually trying to swing it. I uh, just Disclaimer, I'm not that good at golf. Well, it reminds me of the old, uh, when, when Tiger was first getting started, there was a, a viral video of him online. If he's doing the, the wedge bounce thing. Mm-hmm. And then after one last bounce, he hits it and it's hits a beautiful, it hits in there. Yeah. beautiful shot. And everyone was just in awe. I mean, that, that's the first thing I thought of with that, that scene. Uh, but no one in the uh, clubhouse bar can answer this riddle. They're all kind of stumped, but then someone comes in and answers it. <laughs> Yeah, Renee Russo walks in and she answers the riddle that the the doctor is the doctor's uh, mom or the patient's mom. Of father. Yeah, Hi. highlighting the sex pure sexism in <laughs> in medicine apparently. And it's it's weird because she comes in all confident and she says things to Roy as far as uh, you know perhaps you should try leather and and stuff like that. She you know flirts with him right off the bat, but then what she says she's there to taking a golf lesson, a driving range lesson with them. Mm-hmm. And in that scene in the golf pro shop, she's, she's confident. But then once she gets out on the driving range, she's a rambling mess of a person. And, the, and there was a little bit of irony in there too, where she, when she answers the riddle about the doctor being the boy's mother and talking about the sexism of it, 
she tells him that she has she's uh, his next appointment. To which he looks on the spreadsheet and says, "No, I think I got a doctor Griswold on my list," <laughs> which of course is the exact same point of the riddle. He doesn't say it ironically either. No. He he says it seriously. Oh, but no, no, I've no, got a doctor. I thought I had a doctor. This <laughs> is like, dude, I just explained this to you. <laughs> so they end up going out, uh, going outside to start their first lesson. Molly has this huge bag of equipment that she apparently bought off of uh, like golfchannel.com or something. I had a note here of, you know, who schedules a golf lesson at seven o'clock at night that lasts all of 10 minutes. But you kind of just answered that. It's the same person that buys all that golf shit. Exactly. I, I like the little throw in of, he has to take a couple swings instead of getting any lesson. He basically just tells her to start swinging to see where she's at. She doesn't hit the ball on the first try. She uh, doesn't hit it very well in the second one. And to which she's like, fuck shit. And Roy's like, fuck, shit. Those are highly technical golf terms. I'm like, yes, I like it. As much as I really don't care for Rene Russo in this movie itself, I like this scene where just the golf lesson, but it's all Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Kevin Costner just is charming and and comfortable, just super charismatic. And then you got the peanut gallery and uh, trying to watch him in the background. Yeah, he keeps having to try to shoo him away. <laughs> but he gives this great soliloquy of a golf poem of what is the golf swing by Roy McAvoy. And it's, it's beautiful. Oh, I yes. mean, where he's talking about, uh, you know, this, this swing, it's alive. It's a living sculpture. You come back to the top of the arc uh, and then a nod to the gods. Uh, perfection is unattainable, that he is fallible. I will say out of the whole thing, that's probably my favorite scene in the movie is just that that little speech. I do. Love, yeah, that's a great scene. Unfortunately, Rene Russo loses me when she says, geez, Louise. <laughs> it, he, he, said, he has a moment where I don't know if you remember Bull Durham, but in Bull Durham, he really grabs uh, Susan Sarandon with a with a great baseball speech that's unrehearsed and just off the cuff where he's like, uh, you know, I, I love the low hanging curve, uh, long passionate kisses, the infield fly rule, the DH is crap. And and Susan Sarandon looks at him lovingly with, and she goes, Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Here, Roy McAvoy gives this great speech about how, uh, you know, oh, he says golf is about gaining control of your life and letting go all at the same time. And she looks at him and goes, geez, Louise. It's like, no, that's, that was a terrible reaction to this great speech. But overall, he tells her just to grip it and rip it and waggle. Let the big dog eat. That was the other one. And then, yeah, and after what, maybe uh, on her fifth swing, she actually hits the ball and thus ends her 10 minute lesson. Like, you know, might as well go out on a high. Which is good advice as well. Mm -hmm. This, This movie is filled with good one-liners and quips as far as philosophical golf thoughts nothing as sweet in life as a well-hit golf shot things like that it's a lot Mm -hmm. lot of good lines uh so yeah they end the lesson and then we cut to the next day and we're at roy's rv where where he lives on the side of the driving range and we get the introduction of david sims uh, who is uh don johnson's character a longtime kind of nemesis of roy uh, dating back to their time at University of Houston, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously knew knew each other for a long time. De- uh, Sims ended up going pro. McVoy, of course, didn't. I will say every time I saw that RB, I couldn't help but say the word, <laughs> channel a little space balls. Winnebago. Winnebago. <laughs> Anytime I see a Winnebago. Oh, it's just... <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, which which explains why he's more uh, amicable to Don Johnson's offer of uh, to be his caddy in a local pro am tournament. Mm-hmm. Which normally, which he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't realize he's asking him to be a caddy. And, me, and on the first thing, he thinks he's asking him for as a partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, oh, partner, no, I, I want you to caddy for me, kind of thing. Yeah, it's, which it's sucks. A, yeah, a bit but, of a switcheroo on him, and and you, the viewer is just as offended as Roy is, but then say with the IRS stuff and he's, he's, he's broke. He, he kind of needs the money. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was what a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars to caddy and then 5% of the earnings, which I don't know what the earnings would be on that kind of a, cause it was, it was uh, like a charity event type. Yeah. Thing, pro pro it? It M is, is usually one, a charity one. Yeah. Romeo pretty much starts telling him off. Roy has to keep wrangling him in. You can tell how, how, uh, how protective Romeo is of McAvoy, which is, which is nice. He's a good friend. Uh, but Roy eventually just takes the job because he realizes, you know, he needs the money, mm-hmm. obviously. And they end up both going because uh, Roy ends up caddying for David and Romeo ends up caddying for David's teammate, which I can't remember. I don't know if we ever got his teammate's name. Oh, uh, they mentioned it. He's, he's, a, he's a pro golfer, I think. Um, but I can't remember his name. Yeah. But in the next scene, when they're at the Cottonwood tournament, that's where we see a young Phil Mickelson is playing in that foursome. It was just, mm-hmm. I, I got I'm a, I'm a Phil Mickelson fan. So I got a kick out of seeing a young Phil there. Uh, but they reach a hole where they're about 230 yards out. And this is where we get like the main lesson of the movie. It sets up the entire thing of, you know, do you make yeah. the smart play and lay up or do you just go or do you for make it? the ballsy play and go for it? Especially if you, if you're, very confident that you can do it kind of thing, which of course, if it's your first watch around, you don't know, but you can kind of get an inkling of, okay, this is what this movie is going to be about Exactly. Uh, to where, uh, and at this point, uh, McAvoy is still a caddy. So he's all he's doing is just recommending what he thinks David can do. And he's sure David can make this shot over the, over the water. Of course, David decides to do the smart, the smarter play, the higher percentage play and lay up. But as as the caddy, you've got Roy in the background whispering to the other players, I could make that. I could make that. Yeah. And so they get a side bet going and they tell David Sims, yeah, Don Johnson's his character. Even, yeah, his partner yeah. even comes up and says, I got, uh, I got what, 500 bucks or whatever, uh, says your caddy can make it. Uh, and the partner gives him, or yeah, it was five to one odds that Roy could make it on the green, which of course is going to embarrass Sims because Sims decided not to try it. And he uh, makes a threat that if you, you hit that shot, you walk, you're fired. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Roy thinks he's bluffing, goes ahead and, and knocks the shit out of it. Uh, makes the green and everyone cheers and he is fired. Yeah. <laughs> Sims, Sims literally walks over to the crowd, say, hey, you, come here. <laughs> Can you carry a golf bag? You're hired. <laughs> Which is interesting. I think for, as a fan, that would be really cool. Oh, yeah. But- after he's seen that, <laughs> to which Roy realizes uh, he's he wasn't bluffing and immediately grabs the bag off the guy. It's a good flip out. It out from the floor. <laughs> but basically, has a tantrum. Yeah. So <laughs> then the the next scene, you're we're, we're in Roy's office. I guess it is. We're, we're back yeah. in the driving range in his office, and you got Roy and Romeo, Cheech Marin. They're talking about life defining moments yeah. and how yesterday's events at the Cottonwood tournament was just another in a long line of pressure situations, 
flip outs. And that's why Roy never progressed in golf and never became a pro. He never had the mental stability to, to just to do it. Cause, cause golf is a mental game as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, yeah. He brought up uh, Romeo brought up what are the 1981 Fort Washington golf club in Fresno, California, where it was the final round of the tour qualifying and he missed it by one shot. And I, it, the way he was saying it, I, it sounded like it was one of those things where if he had made the smart play, he would have made it, but he decided to make the ballsy play and missed it by one. He, he got a 13 shot of 13 and needed 12 just to qualify. Got that a good line of sometimes par is good enough to win. Yeah. You define the moment or the moment defines you. Going to the next scene where we get my, one of my favorite lines, the whole movie, which is at the strip club. They're going to visit Roy's ex-girlfriend and uh, Romeo says, never bet money on a dog race with an ex-girlfriend who happens to be a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> it's so specific yet so relatable. <laughs> yeah, it was like, because it was like 12, and it was literal too, because it was like $12,000 yeah. that he lost. Yeah, and he tries to, to give her the deed to the driving range, which is only worth 10 grand. Yeah. Assuming it's worth 10 grand. She said, you know what? It, assuming it's worth 10 grand, you still owe me two. Kind of With inflation, that is 17 grand today. Yeah. That's a, I mean, I don't know. How is that driving range still alive? That just, that, it bugs me every time they go back to it. Yeah, well, apparently they didn't pay anybody anything. Because he started uh, discussing like how much, Romeo gets paid because it, it sounded like Romeo was the only employee and the other guys just hung out there. Yeah. I mean, and you got Doreen who with a, you know, subversion of expectations here, you've got this crazy looking stripper with crazy hair and makeup and outfit and everything. And then she starts going into what are your labor costs? What's your insurance? You know, actual business questions. Yeah. And it, and he's just oblivious to it. He has no <laughs> idea what like, she's oh, even shit. talking about. <laughs> Imagine, imagine Roy's life without Romeo. The dude um, would be lost. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's the one that answers all of Doreen's questions. You know, he's the one that has, mm-hmm. knows who, what people get paid. People are just enabling Roy throughout his entire life. And Romeo's one of them. But he's a good friend. Yeah, so you at least know he's got his, uh, his interests at heart. So, so after uh, basically Roy hands over the deed and, and uh, Doreen basically becomes his boss... Uh, we go back to uh, Dr. Molly's second lesson, to which uh, Roy, uh, Roy starts out basically by uh, immediately flirting with her uh, and trying to uh, trying to tell her the whole story about how he understands her. He's like, you know, uh, trying to understand why all of a sudden she's decided to uh, get into golf, and it's probably because she's dating a pro, dating a golfer, and wants to get interested in that. And to which we find out he is exactly right. <laughs> when dun 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 the nemesis which, david sims right behind him which doesn't make sense why is uh, let me talk a minute about molly dr dr molly here she why is she here what why this little town because they don't make any mention of david sims being from this town they mention houston when they, when they announce it for the tournament and stuff, mm-hmm. there, there's no reference to why she, when they know, talk, we just we, know she's from that town. No, she's she, not. She she's moved, not. For, she's from Ohio. Not originally, not originally, but she, she ended up moving there for, and got into real estate and that real estate failed. And that's when she got, she got her license 
But she talked real estate like near San Antonio or something. Whereas now they're a hundred miles from Amarillo. I I just don't understand why someone who's dating the number one golfer in the world is going to move to this tiny town of Salome in the middle of West Texas. I, I, they don't really give a good explanation to me why Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, why not move to Houston where hit probably his mansion is, you know, I, I don't understand the why of her. Yeah, the only thing I can I can figure is she obviously was there prior to meeting Sims or and dating Sims. How they met, God knows. That uh, could be. That and could then, be. And then why if she's dating a pro golfer? Why is she? Uh, the only reason I can see that even if all that stuff ends up and she's dating, yeah, this top golfer, why she would come to a complete stranger on a driving range out in the middle of nowhere to learn golf instead of going to the guy you're dating is she wanted to surprise him. Or maybe she lied to him and told him that she knew how to play. Or even just a nicer golf. I mean, Cottonwood yeah. Golf Club isn't apparently too far away. It's the local golf club, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she, her her presence there is just it, it's always odd to me because she she doesn't fit the town. She doesn't fit the scenario. She's she's a city girl. You know, it's just, it's odd to me. Her her awkwardness comes in in and out throughout the movie. But yeah, so now now Roy has his call to action, though. He thinks he is uh, infatuated with her, and he gets the idea of if he can win the U.S. Open, uh, I think he, does he get the idea from Romeo? Win um, the U.S. Open winner? Yeah, heart? I think so. Um, because he, yeah, I think uh, Romeo said something about, well, you could play the U.S. Open, and that kind of sparked something in Roy, Roy's head. And of course, Romeo, I'm assuming, was joking. Because uh, Roy comes back with it. No, it's it's the biggest and most democratic tournament in the world. They can't turn me away because of how I look or where I work kind of thing. If I qualify, I qualify, which I wonder how if any golf, you know, aficionados out there that know if that's true. I mean, because he wins a cup, he wins a, a, a qualifying tournament and a sectional tournament and then he's in the U.S. Open. Is that true? Uh, I'm, I am curious as far as qualifying for that. Yeah, we'll definitely check that. Let's go to the phones. Oh, wait. Never mind. <laughs> this is a podcast. We don't have phones. <laughs> Let's look at our Discord server. Oh, oh wait. No. <laughs> oh, no. wait. Yeah. <laughs> so in order to uh, qualify for the qualifying tournament, he needs clubs. This was actually my, and this was actually my <laughs> second favorite section of the movie. Because <laughs> um, he's already, uh, to get the other two grand that he owed Doreen, he sold his clubs. Yep. So now he has no clubs. He plays a guy for 400 bucks with a bat, a shovel, a rake, and a hoe. <laughs> Where his baseball skills come in handy. Yeah. I will, I will say, I love the, I love the, one of the lines from uh, Romeo is like, you know, it's about uh, 160 yards. I'd say use the shovel. <laughs> so he picks yeah, up the shovel. I was thinking the same thing. Balls out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's uh, uh hits a ball it hits a ball in with uh with the, with like the rake or the hoe as a pool cue. You yeah, know, it's 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 a good good little montage of of golf there. Well, not really golf, but West Texas golf. So he heads to the today's sponsor, the Salome Mental Health Clinic. Which I'm not entirely sure if that's the actual <laughs> title. I just didn't want to pull up the movie again and uh double check that. So uh I mean we get a, a funny if not completely unnecessary scene, but it is, it is, it is funny because he enters into the 
doctor's office through the exit room and a girl enters, which I didn't know psychiatrist's office have an exit room. I, so, but this girl sees him, she starts screaming hysterically and there's a, it's a funny moment. I don't either. It's a funny moment. Of how Roy basically, it's just a continuation of how Roy keeps screwing things up accidentally. Yes. Yeah, that's true. He convinces Molly to see him for a few minutes. Uh, he looks awkward because he's kind of dressed up. He took his spikes out of his golf shoes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it shows also that she's a terrible psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah. Um, he gives us declaration of love. Completely it's, using golf metaphors. Lots <laughs> of golf knows. metaphors. That's the only way he knows how to talk, apparently. Uh, and he's basically ta- trying to ask advice to her about wooing her. And she doesn't pick up on it. So she's, of course, giving him all the advice that completely backfires as soon as, as, soon as he's done. And he just professes his love to her right then and there. And that's what I say. She's a terrible psychiatrist. How, how could she not pick up on any of this? <laughs> She should have uh, had some inkling, unless she's you know blinded by her own infatuation with the bad boy. You know, a bit of a trope again, there. Yeah, after he after he left again, I'm assuming through the exit room where the lady is still crying. Um, she has to, she calls her shrink to talk about what just happened, kind of thing. But before that, though, uh, he he gives the first mention of David hates old people, children, oh, yeah. and dogs. <laughs> old people, kids, and dogs, <laughs> which becomes kind of a running joke. Becomes relevant, you know, it, it, another trope in itself where, you know, you give someone advice and they just dismiss it and it becomes crucial later on. But yeah. the uh, it, it's a funny recurring gag. So but but we, she explains herself a little bit in the next scene, which is in Roy's RV, where his RV or his office wants to. But she she offers to be his golf shrink, but she goes on this ramble about her background and how she got to Texas, how she became a realtor. And then yeah. she left, she left Ohio for a cowboy, which apparently is less romantic than it sounds, uh, went into real estate and that didn't work. And then she got, uh, went through all the licenses legally to get therapy. And then she asked him for a donut <laughs> out of a box of open donuts that he's got. I want to know what courses she took to be, call herself a doctor. I mean, exactly. Everything seemed to happen quite fast for her. She's a, she is a basket case. Yeah. Roy should have ran for the door, to be honest. She's, she's a nut. I don't know. Uh, he, he wasn't exactly all there either, so maybe maybe Fair enough. Fair enough. They, they do have a bit of a yin and yang kind of thing going yeah. there. So they, so they end up coming to an agreement. She will help him with the mental aspects of the game in exchange for golf lessons, which she doesn't see as a conflict of interest at this point, considering she's helping him with the mental aspects of a game her boyfriend plays. Did we mention she's a terrible psychiatrist? Exactly. <laughs> self-admitted. She she does but, self-admit that. But we will never yeah, but we will never talk bad about our sponsors, so we'll just gloss over that. <laughs> we love you, Salome Mental Health Plan. Yeah. If anybody else wants to sponsor us, we like money too, you know. So yes. that's that's cool. I like I like money. So, but ne- next we get into where to me the the movie gets good it starts to shine the golf stuff we get into Mm. the qualifying tournament and we get into his head as far as how he approaches the game him and romeo caddy to golfer at first they're in sync but then we get to a a pivotal scene uh i don't know how far he was out from the green he was trying to hit um yeah and i don't have that written i do remember right before that he makes a real like obnoxious 
Time for get it. And then Rene Russo's like, I find him mildly attractive when he's obnoxious and arrogant like this. <laughs> yeah. Romeo comes back. like, good. That's his best side. Because <laughs> yeah, he says something like, uh, the only thing that'll bother me right now is insufficient applause. You know, he, oh, he's, yeah. he's getting cocky. He's getting <laughs> arrogant. Yeah. So he hits a point where he's, you know, probably, you know, 230 to 250 out from the green. In order to, to keep par, just lay up, chip it in. And you're good, but no, he wants to make the green, and so he says, "Give me the, give me the lumber, give me the lumber, give me the woods." And he's like, "What are you, what are you going to go with? The left of left of the trees is not going to make it. The right of the trees are going to go." He's like, "Nope, I'm going to go over the trees." And then they go get into a huge back and forth between him and Romeo, going going back and forth to the three wood versus the versus the iron. And Romeo is basically at a tipping point where he he knows this is exactly what he's going to do, and screw it up. So Romeo basically finally ends up pulling out the wood. It's like, you want the wood? Snaps it over his, over his knee. And Roy, to counter that, takes the two iron and says, you know what? I shank the two iron sometimes too. And he, and he breaks the two he iron. And so they start going, well, now, now Roy is just on a tear. He starts breaking every single club in his bag uh, to include the putter. Yeah, but it ends with the seven iron, the wonderful seven iron. And so he ends up finishing the entire tournament with that only a seven iron. And he, uh, he, yeah, does, he, he win or just, does he win he, or just yeah, he parred the back? I can't remember if he won, but he got uh, if he didn't win, he got way high up. I think he uh, sets he the course the record yeah, backside he, with a seven and he thought that was bragging rights. Yeah, he, he sets I mean, the course record, bad. actually, because in the bar afterwards that he's bragging to his guys. Did anybody else ever set a course record with a seven iron? That's true. Including including putting with the seven iron backwards. Backwards. <laughs> Costner has a damn fine golf swing. Because the first tournament we saw him in, or first set, we was you know hitting with a shovel and a and a rake. So mm-hmm. here we're finally getting to see him play. And and he looks very natural. He's he's kind of a you know, if, for anyone that's only seen Happy Gilmore, this is what a golfer looks like. <laughs> He does great with only the seven iron. He's bragging with his buddies. They make the joke that, you know, well, Romeo quit. Well, he always quits. He'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back. But David Sims shows up. (laughs) And Roy is still bragging. He's like, David, you ever par with a course with a seven iron? And he's like, why would I? (laughs) Exactly. It definitely plays into the aspect of uh, how he's such a hothead and thinks he's the best in the world, where David knows you don't have to be the show off kind of thing you can just do what you're supposed to do so yeah roy's roy's definitely in that mental zone of i'm the best that ever was kind of thing which of course leads to to the bet yes and of course he uh, with sims because rival and him trying to impress dr molly in basically a uh dick measuring contest which for a second roy takes literally <laughs> i'm assuming uh <laughs> Uh, laughingly, but he basically starts to take his pants off. He's like, no, God damn it. Not for real. But he bets. Uh, uh, he says, you know, one, uh, one shot, any game you want, I'll beat you thousand, thousand bucks. And uh, to which Roy doesn't have it, of course. So Roy bets his car. Uh, so it's a thousand Sims at a thousand bucks versus Roy's car game of Sims choice. And Roy bets he'll beat him on it. So Sim sits, sits there, you know, he, he, he's like, no, nah, that's stupid kind of thing to which of course, everybody, uh, all, everyone in his crew starts giving him the chicken noises. Of which and, uh, also in there, uh, there's another mention of the, 
David hates uh, old people, children. Oh, yeah. And dogs. oh yeah. he throws that out again. <laughs> I, well, it's no, it's it's not Roy. It's the uh, his buddies. Yeah. So it's reiterated so it's by always, more so people. It's obviously, now. a known a known yeah. thing in that circle. And then, but, but uh, the so, but the bet is, I believe, is just seven iron distance. And this this is the first and only mention that I saw of the Masters because this is Roy says to him often, you get, you're going to lay up like you did in the Masters. Mm-hmm. That's the only time that tournament's ever mentioned. So of course, you know Molly. Molly's trying to tell him not to not to get baited into it, and Sims is like, "Don't worry, don't worry, I got this." Because we obviously know Sims can afford the thousand dollars. Yeah. So it's non monetary at this point. He's looking to teach Roy a lesson. So he uh, he he basically he gives the he gives the uh, club to Roy, lets him go first, which was the mistake. Uh, True. So and yeah. then Roy drops the ball, hits a good uh, what was it, two hundred twenty-seven yards on the range yeah pretty seven shot. iron that's excellent yeah so now it's david's turn so he hands david back to club david drops the ball in the same way starts to tee up down the range and then pauses and returns 90 degrees and there's a wonderful silent look between david and roy yeah as he turns to face the road and roy just automatically knows what he's about he knows to do. exactly what's going to happen so he's basically aiming straight down the road to where he hits it and the ball just bounces, the, continues down the road. And David's like, still, still going. Yep. <laughs> it's a very humbling and, moment. Roy got his ass handed to him on that bet. Yep. And Sims drives, and Sims drives off with his car. So that was, that was a, I would say that was a good scene. It's at, at, at basically humbling him and showing him, yes. yeah, you're, you obviously don't know everything. So next up, we've got the sectional term that he's qualified for. Somehow he gets clubs. Uh, they don't really mention where he got yeah, new clubs. Yeah, they never did mention that. But he does need a new caddy, so he's got Earl carrying the clubs for him, the TCU fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Earl is a very heavy set Texan uh, who does yeah. not make it the entire 18 no, holes. He, he had to, Roy had to carry his own bag for the last four holes. But it's a quick scene, and, and Roy ends up you know doing well and qualifies for the U.S. Open. Yeah, I think that scene is like solely to, sh- to show Earl – who he had lost in Romeo. Yes. Uh, which then leads into the next scene of him going back to the office. Uh, and he basically begs Romeo to, to come back. doesn't really beg though. He's trying to play cool. Like he's all already back kind of thing. This is a better love story than, than Roy and, and Molly. Molly. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, they, they play on that fact. You know, I love, I love old Earl, but I need you. When I was with Earl, I was thinking of you. Yeah. Of course I love you. More than Earl? As much as Earl. If you I drop the Earl. sexual overtones. Then Romeo, <laughs> I am your Juliet. <laughs> that was a good scene between those two. You know, yeah, them making up. But now, as they go back to the driving range, Roy has the shanks. Yeah. And I, lo- and I love Romeo sitting in the back. In two buckets, uh, a bucket of water and a clean bucket, and he's cleaning off golf balls with a kitchen strainer, like dunking them in one, <laughs> shaking them in the kitchen strainer, and then dunk, dumping them out into the other one. Clean this That's up. a good catch. So that, so that uh, plays <laughs> on to the fact of how how, how bad off money-wise they are. But, yeah, Roy, Roy is just shanking everything. He's slopping uh, – I think he put like three or four new dents into the, into the uh, uh, Herbie. Uh, he kept hitting – he hit golf balls into the – trash cans way over to the right he just he can't hit for shit anymore 
Yeah, they and I, I like the the understanding between the two. Like as soon as he hits that second, because the first one tipped it. Okay, sure. Yeah. So as soon as he hits that second one, they both like stand up. Like we've got a problem. Something, something's wrong. It's basically the yips. Although he calls it the shanks. The shanks. Which it's, sounds more like something you catch on a uh, a, a port weekend in the navy. But well, it's it's funny because you know they mentioned that uh, the girl's in his head, Molly's in his yeah. head. Uh, he compares uh, women to a virus. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I can't remember the exact line. I should have wrote it down, but it's like the shanks are like a virus. You know, he's like, I thought you said it was the woman. Well, they're the same thing. <laughs> <It's>, yeah, <laughs> they just show up out of nowhere. <laughs> so eventually, we get to Molly visiting Roy in his RV. And he's now using all the contraptions that she had bought because he's got the, the hat thing yeah, on oh, and the thing strapped to his the chest. And he's like, there's a glitch in my swing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little sidetrack to check in on the love story where. And her reasoning for being there was just because Sims decided to return the car because he only wanted to make a point. Next scene. Now they're at the U.S. Open. Movie's getting really good now as far as the golf stuff. So I, I've got to know here, the second half of this movie is a great hour and a half golf movie. Mm-hmm. They show that they are kind of fish out of water on this driving range because they're admiring a brand new tower of Titleist <laughs> golf balls. Every single one of those balls, brand new. Brand new Titleist. <laughs> Makes me wonder what they're hitting at that driving range. <laughs> 20 year, twenty years old yeah. ball. <laughs> uh, but Roy still has the shanks. You know, in front of all these golf pros, he's hitting, as, as uh, Cheech Marin says, uh, you're hitting chili peppers up their ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, See, he hits it and it goes straight down the line, like 90 degrees. Yeah. To which the first one, he literally, every, you know, all the golfers see it run by their feet. And so he walks out and is like, who the hell hit that? Anybody see who hit that? Trying to play it off. It's a good scene, especially where Romeo finally steps up and says, you know, oh, yeah. he, he trying to get his head clear really you know stop stop thinking about anything uh put your change in your left pocket yeah turn your hat around double knot your left shoe turn your hat around backwards and put a t behind your left ear stick this t like an idiot it's like stick this t behind your left ear (laughs) he's just you can tell he's just making shit up well you wanted to say well you wanted to say stick this t up your ass that's where he was (laughs) heading with it uh and then finally it's like now now hit the ball it's like i can't hit look like this you look like an idiot anyway, you know, shooting chili peppers up, uh, you know, David Sims ass, but so just hit. And then he finally starts hitting straight. And he's like, well, what the hell? And he's like, well, you got out of your head. Cause you're, you're now more worried about looking like you're now thinking about looking like an idiot. So I think it hurt. And, and this was really one of those scenes that is super relatable to anyone that's played around a golf because you can hit an amazing shot. And then the next time around, you're like, what did I do last time? And you get a million things in your head and then you just, you know, play like shit the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Or that's just me. I don't know. Oh. So, yeah, he hits that one. And they just, and again, they decide to call it quits at the driving range, go out on a high. So that was a, re, that was a recurring thing. And Romeo gives probably the worst advice of the movie, which is, <laughs> let's get drunk. Yep. <laughs> let's get drunk <laughs> so we can have a 7.08 tea time. <laughs> and, and he passes out right at uh, 3 a.m. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, to play the U.S. Open opening round after only four hours of sleep with a hangover, I, I couldn't even imagine. That's that's rough. But it does. It it did start. Uh, you started to see a little change in his behavior because he decided to start playing it safe. 
Yes. And, yeah. And, it, it changes to a more conservative style of play, a more yeah. humble. And what happens? I mean, he shoots an 83 and it's a horrible round. Exactly. So he, he tries to change and it ends up being terrible, uh, which of course Sims gives him shit about because uh, what was it? A brand new golfer end up hit, or one of the celebrities he played with yeah. hit an 82. <laughs> like, <laughs> how in the hell did you sit an 83? We had a good response to that. Cause he said, Oh, I missed a four foot putt on 17. Otherwise I would have. <laughs> <laughs> but, but right before, and but the, so that all happens in the bar scene, but right before that, this is where you get to the, so the, David has an interview with, uh, yeah. he, cause he's the leader at top of the leaderboards. So we has an interview with Jim Nance and, uh, with a whole bunch of platitudes, Lord willing, I'll, I'll, I'll give a good round and, you know, give the people what they want to see sort of thing. You know, just all the typical bullshit you might hear from, from that. And it's, it's that trope of he's, he's nice to the people, but then behind the as scenes, soon as the cameras are off. He sneaks off, lights yeah. a cigarette and then starts to walk away when he gets blindsided by a fan and their child who has a dog and he basically tells them off. <laughs> like, do I come to your place of work and ask you for automatic? Get the hell out of my bed. And as he's walking away, an ugly ass dog. <laughs> and of course, Molly sees the whole thing. She's like, son of a bitch. So that, that finally circles uh, all the way and, around. And side note, the old people were Kevin Costner's parents and the kid <laughs> was Kevin Costner's kid. Oh, good little rabbit hole. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> But yeah, Molly witnesses all this. So now you know, we don't know it yet. Well, well, Roy doesn't know it yet, but she's in his court now. He's she's on Team Roy. And uh, she goes to kind of his defense in the bar when David Sims is giving him shit about his terrible first round. She brings up the another bar bet. Yeah. And that's the bar bet to where they're sitting in this bar, which is, which straight across from an open door, which leads out to water. Uh, so she's basically saying, I'll bet Roy can hit out of this bar, out that window, and across the river. And then she ups it and says, all right, out of this bar, across the river, and make that pelican fly off the stoop, which this pelican sitting on a stoop on the other side of the water. So, and the nice thing, though, is that there's a, a guy in the bar with a handlebar mustache that starts giving commentary. <laughs> with Using the soda tap. Yeah. The guy is <laughs> Gary McCord. Gary McCord and the movie he's a pro, pro golfer or former pro. The movie is, is loosely based on him. He had episodes of like the finale and these bar bets and sort of thing. So nice. if you want to, if you want a rabbit hole, go down the Gary McCord rabbit hole. So it was, it was a good cameo because it's kind of his life. Roy, Roy, Roy finally has Romeo shut the guy up. Yeah. It's like, uh, he's like, uh, Romeo, give me a fairway. <laughs> yeah so he clears everybody out. like Rome, shut that guy up and he finally tells him to shut because he's way too loud but he, he ends up making the shot bounces across and not and makes the pelican scares the pelican to fly off to which everybody cheers this is about the time where sims realizes that she's no longer in his court and has gone over away and basically says you know what you're both crazy you're both <laughs> crazy something like that don johnson does a great job as the antagonist he oh, plays yeah. a really good golf dickhead, uh, the, mm -hmm. the role of the asshole pro. Uh, he just, he's very natural in the role. I liked him as a, cause he was, he wasn't really a villain. He was just the antagonist. It was just, yeah, just he the, was the, the rival. He put, he does play a good bag. I've seen him in a couple of things where he's a bad guy and he's, he does a pretty decent bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, 
rarely do I, you know, not like John, Don Johnson. I've, I've never watched Miami Vice. I've only seen him in other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the most recently, the uh, Watchmen series on HBO. I thought he did really well in that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. For some reason, when I think of Don Johnson, I think of Wedding Singer and, you know, the Julius fiance. <laughs> good old glengulia yeah so then you know if the win if the if the winnebago's rocking yeah (laughs) and i feel i feel sorry for romeo at this point because all you see is just it's raining outside and he's just pacing back and forth in front of this winnebago in a in a poncho and and an umbrella like god damn it guys hurry up (laughs) and molly doesn't know what a mulligan is even though she's you know dating a pro golfer yeah twice so continue, continuing with all the, the sexual metaphors and golf speak. Tempo. Tempo is everything. Protection is, perfection is unobtainable. <laughs> all right. So next up, uh, we've got the U.S. Open second round, and Roy is crushing it. Oh, yeah. He, he's having the, the, round, uh, the you know, round of my life. Uh, guys in the booth. This is where you start, we start seeing the golf establishments. Like, who's this guy? Yeah, uh, little montages of the of the other players walking. It's like, can you believe this McAvoy guy came in of nowhere kind of thing? So he's definitely uh, having a good good run on that second day. And then we come to the fabled 18th hole. Yes. And, and he tries to – well, no one has made the green in two. It's not no. – they, they keep mentioning it. Not even Daly did that. And John Daly is known for, for crushing the ball. And uh, this is where we get that repeating theme. Do you Do you lay it up? and go for uh go for a birdie or par or do you try to hit it all and, and eagle the eagle. hole yeah and uh as such Roy hits it in the water it's in the water but decides to take the drop in the drop zone and ends up parring and still, still sets the u.s open still course sets record. A single, single round record on that of yeah. 62 uh, so the crew goes to party at the waffle house as people uh, in yes. uh west texas will do well, and anywhere, then, really. and this, this is when Doreen get, comes back into the mix. Yep. Uh, the, all the old crew from, uh, from uh, Salome uh, mm-hmm. made, the, made the trek, and including Doreen. Uh, and then they have a nice little argument about, you know, there is, a, is there a Waffle House in Midland or Odessa? Back and forth. Mm-hmm. Which apparently the answer is neither, at least when this movie was made. Which, as as someone that lives in the South, I can't understand the concept of not having a Waffle House within five miles. It's the strangest thing. But the middle of nowhere, Texas, is is pretty pretty wide open. I don't know. I don't know the Waffle House stretch. I mean, I'm from Illinois. And I mean, they, I'm, they I'm from Kansas, and we yeah, we had IHOPs and Denny's. We didn't have uh, maybe one Waffle House. Yeah, Bob Evans up in Illinois. So and Denny's. Yeah. Now you're just making stuff up. <laughs> Now I'm hungry. <laughs> I wasn't hungry until I said Bob Evans. Waffle House does not, <laughs> does not make me hungry. Uh, so, yeah, then so that was a real quick scene. But there is a little bit about uh, Romeo has eyes for Doreen. Oh, yeah. Go, go Romeo. Have you ever had a Latin lover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this is when they start talking about dancing, right? This is when he yeah, brings yes. up uh, that he, had, he knows how to tango. tango. Have you ever tango? <laughs> But next we get into the third round uh, and he has another great round, but 
Back to the 18th. Back to the 18th. Cause it kind of <laughs> jumps. Yeah. It kind of jumps back to the 18th. So. And he has the same decision uh, cause he has a great drive, but it's still, do you go for the green and two or do you lay up and make the smart play? And, uh, and we all know what he does. Yes. <laughs> and then we, yeah, we have a, we have a scene where he's being interviewed uh, later wait, wait, in there. Wait, wait, and they're basically wait, wait, asking wait, him. Yeah. Wait, wait, uh, wait, before that though, cause he does hit it in the water, yeah. but a little bit of foreshadowing, he wants another ball, but yeah, Romeo talks right. him out of it. And he, he goes back and um, you know, as the, the guys in the booth are talking shit about him, but he, he lays up and he, now he's tied for the lead going mm-hmm. into the final round. And then he got that okay. press conference. And then we get the press conference where he's interviewed by the guy about, you know, why did you, why didn't you just lay up? Why didn't, why did you take the low percentage shot? And he has a good little line. It's like, yes, it's the low percentage shot, but so am I. I mean, uh, look, yeah. look at me. Do I look like someone who cares about the percentages kind of thing? So that was a good little character defining. Uh, yeah, line. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Not, not that Roy learns anything throughout this movie, but it is at least he, he's true to himself. Yeah. He, he learns that he's got to do it his own way, but he's got to be out of, get out of his head kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So now we get into the U S open final round and it starts out. I, I, I want to mention amazing gorgeous foggy shots of an empty golf course it oh yeah makes me miss the fact that i haven't been able to golf finally back at the back of the driving range at the crack of dawn by himself and then it cuts back and forth between the pictures of the groundskeepers going through and yep and tending to the sand traps and to the cutting the grass and everything making it look absolutely it's beautiful it looks it it really is i'm just playing golf yeah you got to move over by me so we can go golfing. Yeah, I'll get right on that. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Tony. I'm. I'd like to get out on the golf course. My my brother asked me to golf all the time, but with kids and stuff, I just haven't been able to have a chance. Yeah, but I do miss it. Have to get a house on it. You're gonna. Y'all are have to move to a house on a course so we can come over and to do it that way. So you get yeah, on that work. So because they are tied for the lead, uh, David Sims and Roy McAvoy are tied or not tied, but they are tied, but they're paired up. So we got those two together for 18 holes and it is a rough start for Roy. Oh yeah. He's in the trees right off the the bat, double bogey. And then the second hole he's in the, he's in the rough on the right and he's behind a portage on, but at least to a good scene. Yeah. Uh, the, the announcers over there with him, and he and to basically talking about how this is a horrible shot and it's going to take him two just to get back on the green. To which Roy turns around and says, "You know, fifty bucks says I can get it on the green in one." And the announcer, and I'm assuming the announcer at that point is not hot mic'd anymore because he's like, "Well, I'll take that action." But he says it right yeah. in the microphone, like he's still on the air. Well, it's that same guy. It's Gary McCord. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I'll take that action. So I do like all the bets that they have. So that's kind of cool. And then they start commentating. He's like, "Well, I think he's going to do a little bounce off the portalette." Right there, so because he, he's behind a tree for a straight shot, and yeah. his only other angle would hit a porta john. So he basically just leans into it and bounces it right, and shanks it right off the porta john onto the green and takes his fifty bucks. But the only problem I have with the scene is that it doesn't make it on the green. If you watch it, it stops on the fringe. Eh, it, it's it's there. I mean, it's it's a it's a full foot off the green. 
I mean, it's a beautiful shot, but still. He ends up taking this money. So maybe the bet, did he stay on the, on the he green? Did or stay he did on the green. The I'm, I'm, I'm labeling this one a movie mistake. That sucker was yeah. not on the green. Good catch. But throughout this, we've got Doreen and Molly. They become good sideline friends. And uh, we find out that Tin Cup has, as a nickname, means absolutely nothing with golf. But, but his name in the movie is based on his time as a high school or, or college catcher. Uh, in baseball, where he, you know, got hit in the nuts a lot as a catcher. Yeah, the guy, the guy had a great curveball, and sometimes didn't hit the net. <laughs> and it sounded, <laughs> it sounded better than clank. So uh, David Sims and Roy are actually tied with another real pro golfer, Peter Jacobson, and uh, which I like that. I like that they brought in an act. Like it wasn't just him versus him. It, there was a third guy. There was a third. Uh, yeah, yeah. Adds adds a little more realism to it. Uh, Molly gets some more sports clients. You know, they, yeah. Um, yeah, and good she for her. counts as couples too, so the caddies are welcome as well. <laughs> she she basically gives out all of her cards to that guy. <laughs> so yeah, obviously, she's doing Salome Mental Health Clinic. Had a good day there at the Masters <laughs> for any of these pro golfers that uh, want to travel to in the middle of nowhere, Texas. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> she's going to be a permanent Counseling. staple on the tour if she wants any actual business. <laughs> Uh, but as expected, it all comes down to the 18th hole and uh, the same scenario. Like I said, I like that it's not just Roy versus Sims. You've got that third guy in there, which adds to the tension and drastically improves the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Roy has a spectacular meltdown on the 18th hole. Ah, uh, yes. He, he's forced with that same decision. Does he hit for the green or does he lay up? He decides to go for it and he's almost there. It, it's it's a beautiful shot. And he's like, what, like two feet from the cup. Cause at least at this point he was, he was even egged on by Molly. She, she even yeah. just said, you know what? Go for it. Go for it. And he, he got it. He got it all. It got to the green. Cause the first couple of rounds, Hit. he went straight in the water. This time he yeah, got it every on single, the green. Every single time he never made it. This one got over. He got all of it, made it over and onto the green. And then it unfortunately back rolled, down the green and off into the water. I won't go into the golf mechanics of you would not actually have that if you hit with a fairway wood, but you know that's fine. I'll, we'll, we'll accept the, the movie magic yeah. of it. It rolled yeah, backwards. That's some plot armor right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and his and his thought in his head was that it got caught by a gust of wind halfway up, and that's why it didn't make it. So now it's in his head that he would have made it if it weren't for that that random gust of wind. So, so now we, now he's got decision number two. He he can still par this and go to a a playoff hole uh, if he lays if he takes the drop and then hits it in as normal as he did the past two days. However, he he know he knows now he knows he can do it. That's the yes thing. exactly. Now he knows he can do it, so he wants to do it. So, but just like in the previous round, he asked for a ball. And this time Romeo's not able to talk him out of it. So that was so that was shot two that went in the water. So he's now dropping three and shooting four. The guys in the booth are baffled. They're they're everyone's just kind of like, what's what the hell is he doing? He's throwing away the US Open. They've also seen this three days in a row. So they're all surprised, like, why is he trying this again? Kind of thing. Obviously, he had a good shot in the previous one, but they're still like, he, th- could somebody tell him he doesn't have to do that? <laughs> They kept saying that. Could somebody tell him he could drop it closer? He doesn't have to. his old friends like Doreen and stuff. They're saying, "Well, this was bound to happen." Yeah, like, it was only yeah, a matter of time. Is, and this is why 
<laughs> this is why we're exes kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets, he, he hits ball after ball in the water and he gets down to the final ball in the bag, his final shot. And if he misses this, he's disqualified from the entire tournament. Yeah. If he doesn't, yeah, it's the whole thing. It wasn't so much if he missed it, if, if it goes in the water. He's already he's lost out. the open by this finish, point. Yeah. He has yeah. to finish the round with that ball or he's mm-hmm. disqualified for the entire tournament. Uh, I'm not as familiar with the rules. Is there a certain number of balls you're able to play with? On yes. Each round? You, you okay. have to start with, uh, to my knowledge, with a, a formal tournament, you have to start with a specific amount of clubs and a specific amount of balls. Okay. I don't know what those numbers are, but that to my knowledge, yes. Okay. So at least, at least that tracks. So obviously, yeah, he, if he goes through all his balls and they make a, a big point of saying that yeah, if he doesn't finish the hole with this ball, then he's disqualified kind of thing. So if it goes in the water again, he's done. Uh, and, and he keeps saying, you know, I can right before he gets that last ball, he, he's finally like, I can make it across. Damn it. So then Romeo literally looks at him and said, we'll do it already. Stop fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those things where Romeo kind of turns around. And it's like, I know you can do it. So fucking do just, it already. Just do it. <laughs> do it. So not only does he hit a beautiful shot, he makes it over the water in nice dramatic fashion, but he gets it in the cup. Oh yeah. Beautiful shot. I mean, granted it was, movie magic and all that, but still great scene. Uh, also great. I, I love this point when he, he gets up to the green, he pulls it out of the, out of the hole, holds it up and he throws it in the water and he throws it in the water <laughs> to which like three got three spectators yeah. <laughs> run and dive into the water to get it, which is, which is great. Yeah. 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 That, that about would be worth some money in, in real life. Mm-hmm. And now he and now he's kind of out of his head, and he's literally talking to himself like, "I just threw away the U.S. Open." Yeah, he has that realization. He's like, "Oh, are you kidding? Nobody's going to remember who won the Open five years from now, but they're always going to remember your 12. Because I don't think they say who won Sims or Jacobs. I think I, Do they? Uh, Jacobson won. Good. I don't think Sims won. <laughs> Good. And which again, I think that's another thing is. It, at that point, he wasn't playing against Sims anymore. So that mm-hmm. kind of adds to it. So Sims yeah. technically wasn't the guy he was playing against. So he had to get that out of his head. That's I right. Because Jacobson birdied and he goes to Sims. He says, nice par, David. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So I, I like the fact that the that the the main antagonist didn't win, but that didn't keep him from being the main antagonist. Yeah. Because he still, you know, he was one on, yeah, he was one off of winning, which is what, so, and that gave, uh, that also lent to the fact that Roy could have beat him, but Roy decided to be Roy. But again, still, that was a great shot. And, and her quote was accurate to where if that happened in real life, that's what would be talked about. Exactly. Who actually won. Kind of thing. They do have a line later on though, that he still finished in the top 15, so he automatically yeah. qualifies for the following year. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like how Sims had apparently moved on to a random blonde girl in the, uh, the audience to ask for his autograph. <laughs> yeah, that's about the time when he walks, he walks by holding Rene Russo. He's like, nice bar, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just shows what a, you know, he's just a dirtbag. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. The, the villain didn't learn anything and, and, and no one did. And, and then Romeo and Doreen have their wonderful tango. 
Yeah. Now we've gone, we go to the driving range for the kind of ending scenes in the wrap up and Romeo and Doreen are doing a tango. No innuendo. They're literally, they're in the they're golf shop. Tangoing. Yeah. They're tangoing, dancing. They'll tango again yeah. later. And then, yeah, but, Molly and Roy are sitting on the couch. That's when the, the whole qualification for next year thing comes, thing comes yeah. up and they discuss uh, their future. And that's pretty, and that's pretty much it. Were, yeah. Uh, roll credits. It. So, I have mixed thoughts about this movie. It, it's a great golf movie. Mm. I love that part, but a terrible romantic comedy. It, I think that Rene Russo has at least between, like, at least like you said, between between who they intended to be the romantic comedy. Yeah, uh, for, yeah. You know, it wasn't that great of a romantic comedy for Roy for Roy and uh, Molly. It was a great romantic comedy for Roy and Romeo. <laughs> If if you That's have, true. I mean, a few small changes could have, number one, shortened the movie. It didn't have to be almost two and a half hours long. It was, you, you cut out the rom-com crap, give uh, Roy McAvoy, you know, Rene Russo's character, a, a love interest with him. But but without the David Sims back and forth, just just have him have her be an antagonistic, you know, girlfriend who wants him to do something with his life. Exactly. She didn't have yeah. to be. Sims's girl that he had to steal away from her, which you know rings so many trope bells. Exactly, uh, she could have just been, yeah, the the random girl that he was already with that was fed up with him being an ass and not doing anything with his you, life. You could have had Don Johnson hitting on her, you yeah, know, sure, but but like take out the psychiatrist stuff, take out uh, uh, you know their nice long drive and their platonic kiss or and all that stuff, you know. You you could have cut easily twenty minutes out of that, and you got just under two hours, and you've got a good golf movie about what's in Roy McAvoy's head, and it would have been a, a much higher rank than I'm going to rank it. I would have liked to see a little more of uh, Roy playing qualifier games with non-golf clubs. I think that would have been <laughs> pretty cool to see. Yeah, I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> like literally random, like people would bet him on what he had to use like 50 bucks says you can't make it with a, with a shovel or a rake or something. I would have, yeah, I would have liked to have like, that's how he kept the driving range alive was through Mm -hmm. side bets. Yeah. Being a a, a golf, uh, you know, trickster sort of thing. Yeah. That would have been a good ad. Uh, I do remember one quote I missed uh, that I I really like this quote. And I'm pretty sure it was from the, the rainy Winnebago scene where he was like, uh, the quote was, golf and sex are the only things you don't have to be good at to enjoy. <laughs> that's like, a good you line. Know what? Yeah, I, I like that. That's, that's, that's true. <laughs> Trope-wise, I've got a, I got a few. I mean, the fancy girl wants the bad boy. His realization moment, my God, what have I done at the end? Mm-hmm. Uh, David as the nice camera guy, but he's an asshole behind the scenes. Yeah, just, uh, just the whole, yeah, guy meets girl. Girls dating his rival, guy woos girl, girl leaves the rival thing is just one big mm-hmm. rival true. Uh, last ball in the bag, you know, that that's yeah. sort of you know, the last pitch, last chance. That's a that's a common sports trope. And then the whole running thing of <laughs> hates old people, kids and dogs. You know, but that was fun. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good that running was a, gag. That was a good uh, running running gag because it was one of those things where at the when you first mentioned it. You're not entirely sure if he's just making shit up to try to try to get her away, and it ends up being true. So I'll I'll give that one some weight. <laughs> that it was literally yeah. exactly 
Not only the first time he says it, <laughs> it had he's, a thinking, good okay, he's just making, he's just talking shit. And then the people in the crew say it verbatim. It's like, okay, well, this is obviously a rumor. And then he actually lives up to every single point in it. <laughs> they they should have had a pro golfer mention it. Like, like, like a one, like a third time before the event, you know, have someone completely out of the main crew throw, yeah. throw an offhand comment in there. Like Nicholson, so good. So I heard that guy hates, uh, that guy hates <laughs> old people, children and dogs. Does it hold up today? And is it relatable? Um, I, I, to me, I, I say, absolutely. It's, it's easily the most relatable golf movie I've ever seen, you know, in, in the vein of, you know, you got happy Gilmore, you got Caddyshack, et cetera, but just as a casual golfer, when when he can't hit and he gets into his own head, uh, that's probably the I, most relatable part. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true for for anyone, and and it's nice to see that even you know good golfers can get the shanks. Mm-hmm. We've got one that uh, if we were if we were looking at this movie from a different perspective, the only one that I could really come up with is if this whole concept movie was told from David Sims's point. Yeah, I have that. I have I have him or Cheech. Or, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Romeo. And actually, yeah, if you go, if you go with the cheese aspect, then you've got like the legend of Bagger Vance kind of thing to where the caddy is the main character. So I can see that. I can, I can yeah. actually see that yeah. more yeah. than, than coming from David Sims. Um, then you've got that. And that, that goes, that, I mean, hell, that's another trope, you know, with the, the magical, uh, magical caddy. Yeah. That, or, I mean, when you look at it as, uh, uh, the one guy comes to mind, um, Rocky, um, who, who the hell's Rocky's coach? Burgess Meredith. What's that? Uh, yeah, I can't think of his name. Mickey, Mick, Mickey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas you know, this my the guy that I'm here supporting has so much potential. He could do it all, but he just can't get out of his own head and do it. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that. Yeah, this movie could have easily been from from that point of view. But I probably would have preferred to see David Sims's uh, point of view. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 guy who thinks he's perfect and great, and then all of a sudden here comes this wannabe non-pro trick shot guy uh, coming in trying to steal all his thunder, including stealing his girl, stealing the spotlight. The guy you bested in college and you yeah. know, put put behind you in life, which technically David Sims brings it all on himself by asking him to be his by captain. hiring him. Uh, I also I also had a I can see this coming as a. Uh, you can see it. I could see it like an alternate, like tin cup two, uh, back to mini golf kind of thing, where he has to <laughs> he has to win a mini golf tournament <laughs> to get his close. <laughs> well, one of our follow up questions is where are these characters in four months. I was like, there's no way in hell Molly and Roy are together. I mean, he's no, he, no, 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 no. She's she's long gone. Yeah, uh, whoever her new clients are on the on the golf tour have swept her away and he's, he's left shanking balls on the driving range by this point. <laughs> yeah, like I said, mini golf tournaments from here on out. <laughs> yeah. I imagine the golf, I imagine the driving range got a, a big hit in business after he, after his shot and then slowly trickled back down. So five years later, he's back in the exact same spot he was. So not, not an overall happy ending for Mr. McAvoy. No. Yeah, I, I don't see a great future for for any of these characters, except for maybe Doreen and Romeo. I, you know, they. Yeah, those yeah. those two, those two can definitely hit off. Who's this movie for? Uh, I put middle aged men who enjoy golf. Yeah, I'd say definitely golf. <laughs> this is this is a good movie for somebody who enjoys or uh, gets pissed off at playing golf. Yes, at least relatable. 
a lot of more profanity than I remembered. Yeah. But it works. It's, it's one of those, I remember you saying that when you were trying to watch it. Like I having started to get the kids watching play. this with the kids in the room. Like, okay, this is not going to work. There's, I mean, <laughs> like I said at the beginning, you know, fuck shit. Those are technical golf terms. It's like, that's not the end of the cursing in no. this movie. There is a ton. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, then make the shot. Quit fucking around, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I saw this for the first time in, you know, high school. Appropriate for that age? Sure. Yeah, I don't you know. Yeah, definitely. high school, but but my my kids are very young, and I had to stop it and watch it on uh, borrowed time. I honestly, as far as recasting, if we were looking at recasting anybody, I couldn't really think of any one that came to mind that I would think would be a better role for any of them, other than uh, I would say almost anybody except Renee Russo. They could have probably thrown anyone in there. Kevin Costner obviously had a relationship with the director and writer from, from his Bull Durham days, but I, I think he fit the role pretty perfect. Yeah, and I, th- I, I think he did a really good job at playing that, playing that type of role and that type of character. It's a shame they couldn't get Susan Sarandon you know, to play his counterpart yeah. here. That would have been nice. Uh, that would have been a good in-dope. Yeah. It's not that I'm not a fan of Rene Russo. I think the first time I ever saw her was Major League. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then nothing, nothing, nothing. Major League, Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but then Thor. I mean, I liked her in the Thor. Oh, of course, Thor. Yeah. She does great in the Thor and the Marvel movies. I mean, and really good in Endgame in her, you know, her oh, one yeah. scene. I mean, that was excellent. Uh, but as far as they, and she was, in this movie, she was pretty much our age now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she looked good. Mm-hmm. Waggle. I mean, waggle, <laughs> she, waggle. She, she, she waggled, you know, she, she looked very good. I, I just think that she had zero chemistry with Kevin Costner, whereas Susan Sarandon had a ton in Bull Durham and maybe they could have, you know, recreated that. That would have been nice. Yep. I'll agree with that. I mean, all in all from final thoughts, um, I would say uh, this is a fun movie, definitely relatable. Uh, if you enjoy, or like, as I said, get pissed off at golf, which I'm more in that category because I'm terrible at it. Yes, uh, I need to play more, but I can still, I could definitely still relate to a lot of it. Um, I'm not a huge golf person though. So I, I like, as I said, I don't play very much. So this, I'm not going to throw this up as one of my uh, more favorite sports related movies. Um, it's a good movie. I, it's just not one of my favorites. Uh, and I wouldn't say that it holds up a lot of rewatchability. Yeah, there, I agree. There's a reason I hadn't seen this movie in a mm-hmm. super long time. Uh, I yeah, remember it being you can re, you can definitely good, rewatch but, it if you haven't seen it in a in quite a while. But it's not one of those where you could rewatch it say once a year kind of thing. It, and part of the problem with that to me is it's super long. Mm-hmm. It's over two hours long, and it's you've got to commit to watch this sucker. <laughs> if I was going to watch it again, I would probably skip to the open. Mm-hmm. I mean, just and just watch the second half of the movie. Yeah. Now is the time on our show where we rank the movie based on our fan review while also adding in the IMDb rating. This is a 10-point scale, and the average will be put in our mega list. Aaron, what is your rank for Tin Cup? So for Tin Cup, as I said, it, it's a fun little movie. It's not going to go on my list of favorites, but it's still decent. I enjoyed watching it. I'm going to give it uh, a 6.2. Okay. 
That's good. I, I am right there with you. Um, I actually gave it a 6.4. We combine that with the wonderful rating at our fo- of our friends over at IMDb, which absolutely agree with you at a 6.4. Is it really? Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm certain you didn't cheat at all. No, no. I, I, I went <laughs> back and forth between uh, just the low sixes. I couldn't really decide. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, I did. Th- I I enjoyed it. I just had such a problem with Rene Russo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, by our scores combined, this movie ranks out at a six point three three, which puts it just above Hackers <laughs> and just below Coneheads. Hmm, just above Hackers. See, oh, that's interesting. So it's, it, like it ranks hackers. seven on our list. Oh. So, well, I mean, when I say just above, so Hacker's got a 6.3 and this got 6.33. So (laughs) it's all IMDb's fault. Yes. Let's blame it on them. Well, well, technically you gave it the low score, man. Oh, well, I'm going to change mine to a one just so (laughs) Hacker's can get up. (laughs) Scores are final. Scores are final. Damn you. (laughs) So next up on our list is to nominate someone for the Cinema Decon Hall of Fame. This can be someone who is... In any way involved with the movie, actor, actress, director, producer, screenwriter, whatever. Aaron, who would you like to nominate from Tin Cup? For me, it was it was a, a toss-up, uh, and it both from an actor's perspective, but I'm gonna have to lean towards Kevin Costner. I think he nailed this character. I, I think he did a very good job of because I've seen obviously seen him in several other things, and the role he's got here is a lot different than uh, most of the other roles. He's kind of playing the, the dimwit country boy that, uh, and he pulls that off really well. So that, that's going to be my vote is Kevin Costner. Uh, I agree. Kevin Costner is really just the, the main one to nominate from this. And, and he had my vote from his poem of what is the golf swing by Roy oh, McAvoy that kind of cemented it for me. I think I read somewhere that he actually learned golf for this movie, but it doesn't show. It looks like he's been playing golf his entire life. He looks, he's got such a natural swing. He looks like a golfer out there. And, and it looks like he has a true love of this game. And I, I appreciate that. So congratulations to Kevin Costner as the latest inductee to the cinema decon hall of fame. Dun, 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 dun. It's at this point of the episode where we do a shout out for a little media pitch of things that we're watching at this, uh, this certain time. Um, Steve, do you have anything that you'd like to pitch to our audience? I do. Uh, I recently came across the documentary on Amazon prime called Val. And it is a a documentary about the life and career of Val Kilmer made Hmm. by him. And he speaks about everything you can think of from his classic hits to his struggles with life and throat cancer and after throat cancer. And it's, it's fascinating. It's heartbreaking. It's an amazing piece of work. Do yourself a favor and watch Val. Beautiful documentary. Interesting. And uh, I also want to mention, uh, this is not an official media pitch because I got to put my full force behind Val, Uh, but there's a new YouTube channel out there. There's a, a couple that's making new YouTube videos where, uh, they review movies kind of, uh, the husband is a movie aficionado and the, the wife is not. <laughs> and, and they have nice animations to, to go with it. It's called uh, Be Kind, She Wind. And ah, uh, they have one episode 
and uh, they review, they, they do Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. And it's, it's pretty hilarious. It's like 15 minutes long and they got a couple shorts out there, but I recommend just, you know, subscribing to their YouTube channel and checking out their videos. It's pretty hilarious. Uh, you know, where she calls, you know, Mary and Pippin, Tan and Chuck and, and just, <laughs> cause like, you know, he's, he's quizzing her. It's like, so they're two friends, you know, what are their names? You know, and she gives like some weird names and, and, uh, you know, or, or he'll ask a question like, so that, that ring, do you think that'll come up again? And she'll be like, no. no. <laughs> so it's, no. It, it's funny. It's funny. Good stuff. And I, I, I recommend giving their channel some support <laughs> and they are fans of the show. So they've already given us so some thank feedback. You. Excellent. Yes. So for me, this is, this is, uh, I recently started watching a show that I've heard about quite a bit for a while. It's been on for several years. It's one of those, I never got around to watching up until uh, this last weekend when I was uh, had to go out of town up to New Jersey for a work trip. Uh, so it was one of the ones I caught, I decided to watch on the plane, and it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I had never seen it before. Uh, I obviously know uh, Andy Samberg is a hilarious guy from all Saturday Night Live stuff and from the Lonely Island songs and mm-hmm. pitches and everything. But the four random episodes from like season five that were on the plane pretty much got me hooked. So ever since I got back home, I have uh, binged the entire series <laughs> up to episode four of the final season uh, that just aired what last night. And oh, really? uh, I will say this is one of my favorite shows. Now it's, it reminds me of like scrubs type humor in a police department. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I would absolutely, I never actually it. watched it myself. Uh, I, I've only seen, clips and the one clip that comes to mind is the with the lineup where they sing the backstreet boys <laughs> that <laughs> is a, that is by far my favorite cold open of the it's, show it's <laughs> hilarious i that mean is the it, best. Yeah. that is the best part um and then they they have a reoccurring my my other favorite ones is they have a reoccurring episode almost every year of a halloween heist um <laughs> that you're gonna have to watch um to get that no spoilers or anything but i would highly recommend uh brooklyn 99 it's currently on its last season I thought it was done. Uh, I didn't know it was still going. No, yeah, it's it's on season eight, and they've got four episodes out as of yesterday. Is it still on network TV, or did it get picked up by a streaming service? Um, that I can't remember. Uh, it's it's through Fox, so okay. I don't know if it's on Fox online or if it's available via Hulu. Yeah, I, I know the, the 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 chief uh, who is ever in charge is the Andre guy Brower. It, it, is Bunny from The Wire. Uh, uh, that's where he plays a. I could, for all I know, it could be yeah. the same character. Was a, just the, the, the stoic, you know, very stern, you know, police and chief. And that's a big thing for him because this was his first, this is actually his first uh, comedic role because I know him from several other things, including he was in uh, uh, Last Resort, if you ever saw that one off mm-hmm. about a submarine commander. No. Um, is I Terry Crews in this? One, I, huh? Isn't Terry Crews in Brooklyn Nine Nine? Yes. Okay. Terry Crews, Andy Samberg, Andre Brower. Joe Latrulio. Oh, from the state. Yeah. And American summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a great, it's a great little comedy. I would uh, absolutely recommend it. Always on my list, but never had a chance to watch it. I'll have to try and bump that one up. And, and that's one of those things. I always knew about it. I just never got around to, to seeing it until I happened to catch it. All right. Now's the time where we spin. Let me pull up my super number generator here and engage. One fifty-one. 
Oh, all right. We're we're actually in the middle of this time. 151 is oh <laughs> Aaron's already seeing it. <laughs> yep. And we we basically get to do a documentary this time. <laughs> I like money. <laughs> no way, mate. So one fifty one on our list is the two thousand six. Uh, what turned into a documentary? Idiocracy. Yes, a favorite amongst pretty much everybody I know. This is going to be fun. It's what plants crave. <laughs> <laughs> this movie has electrolytes. <laughs> Uh, I encourage oh. everyone out there to go watch Idiocracy because it is a classic. Oh, please, please do. Everyone should watch this movie. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening, and we hope you stay with us through this little experiment of ours. What did you think of Tin Cup? Let us know through our socials, and we'll be sure to tell you how wrong you are. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out our website in the show notes to see the full list of movies we'll be covering in our rankings thus far. You can also visit us on our Patreon, where we'll try to post some random outtakes before the final cut. We'll see you next time on, on Cinema, Cinema Decon. Decon. meeting is being recorded for quality assurance purposes. I like money. <laughs> <laughs>